Easy day. Boy, I tell you what, everybody who's listening today is in for a real treat. We have got the original crew in here for the podcast today. We've got our mother and father, James and Jennifer Wright, the original crew back together to record a podcast. <laughs> um, for any of y'all that don't know, Blake is dad. Blake is a miniature dad, Uh-oh. and I am a miniature mom. Is for, that out of desire, or is that accurate? No, it's accurate. <laughs> but, Mom, what did... All right, what, what are some things that Blake got from Dad? Um, he, I'll tell you one. He can talk to people. He's good at talking to people. Oh, my gosh, I never talk. What are you talking about? No, but when you when you have to, like, relational conversation, you're like, Dad's the same way. You can go out to a job site. You can go. You can talk to somebody on on a phone. You can meet somebody. And you got that from no, Dad. no. I I don't I enjoy like the that. small talk. Dad can he can get along with anybody. Talk now, to anybody. Now we'll back that up. When Blake, he's been talking since day one. Talking his sleep. He'll anyone will tell you he will talk all day long when he was younger. Well, that's what I told Nanny. I got all my talking out of the way when I was a kid. So now, yeah, I, I guess don't so. talk no more. No, that's you, what I do. You got that from Dad. Um, that's, all right, we'll dude, move on. We'll talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> the reason that me and Mom can't, uh, the reason me and Mom aren't good at talking to folks, um, as far as as far as like a relational conversations with strangers, is because we're no bullcrap, man. Mm-mm. We just say whatever we think. And a lot of folks don't like that much about us, but we just say what we think, man. They'll tell you that at work about me, direct and to the point. I don't do a lot of fluff and stuff. Well, we just we're thankful that you guys decided to come on. Um, you know, the Bible says honor your mother and father, and you'll get some long life out of that, right? Isn't yes. that what it says? So we just want to honor you guys today and uh, talk through some of your experiences in life and being a being a husband and wife but a mother and father too um and for any if if for anything i'm happy about getting to sit down and do this for my own personal records because we don't we generally as a family we we all are stay we all stay so busy. Now we got kids in the mix, and everybody's going all different directions, and we don't have a lot of time. We don't make a lot of time to just sit down and talk. So it's pr- it's pretty cool. Um, my first question for Dad is: I want to know what were you trying to do when you flipped off of that bicycle and busted <laughs> your back? Tell me that story real quick. Trying to show you how to ride a wheelie. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me that story. That's not, real a good, quick. that's not a good one. Couldn't move out of the road either. Yeah. <laughs> There's a car coming. I was just doing a wheelie and I went too far. Man, I remember what I thought about this yesterday when he was up riding the girls around. And he said, I'm the original. I got this. And I thought, I remembered he was cutting donuts on my 400 EX out in the gravel road one day. 
and it come slinging the rear and around, and it caught the concrete apron of the driveway and shot him up into a wheelie and into the bank. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, they are, <laughs> that's exactly what's going to happen right here. <laughs> what? Well, were you like the wheelie king back then? Still am. Uh, well, <laughs> you you did used to be pretty good on a dirt bike. Still am. <laughs> what, was that the was that the initial injury that messed your back up? No, I, I had problems before then. I think it helped it. Because uh, I never, bef- which we were young back then, but I never remembered you. Having like complaining or having problems or being down with your back until after that happened. Well, I, like I say, that probably contributed greatly. Yeah. Okay. Um, I had a question for mom too. Oh, mom, I wanted to know since dad wouldn't tell us the the full story of why he was out there trying to ride a wheelie and what happened. When he pops his bike back and then you gets gotta, stranded in the middle of the road. You got to ease me into the te- podcast. Te- Mom, you tell me a story. What were you thinking when you made me run? What was it? Six or eight miles yeah. for a backpack? What was, the, what was your logic behind that? Well, the logic behind that was, gosh, how old were you? Ten, maybe? But the point was, you wanted this backpack that's some uh, skateboarding something. And it cost like $60. I remember how much it cost. Because back then, that was a lot of money. And I thought, well, I'll just tell them, if you can make this six-mile loop with me, it was, you know, on the trails, mm-hmm. Kennesaw Mountain. I said, if you make that loop with me, you have to run the entire way. And you can't stop. And then I'll buy you that backpack. And the thought in my mind was... Okay, so this is going to be a good way to get out of buying aid. He's not going to pitch a fit, and we'll be done with that. And so we were running along, running along. We're getting a couple miles. Ugh. He's still keeping up with me because I didn't, I didn't slack on my pace or nothing. Well, maybe just a little bit. but So running, getting a little slow, around four miles, coming around that loop. And I'm thinking, okay, I got him. He's going to walk now. And I tell him, you want to slow down? You want to slow down? No, no, still running, still running. And. Coming in towards the end, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. Now I'm going to be out $60, which I really don't have to spend on a dang backpack. And made it all the way, and I sure enough had to buy that backpack. Yeah, you did. I thought for sure there's no way. No way he's going to make this because you hadn't you hadn't run anything except for run around and play and ride that skateboard. Yeah, I'm going to say that's when I first figured out that I was that I might be a halfway decent runner. And you, so you were literally doing that just to get out of buying a $60 backpack? Yes. You didn't, you didn't even know you were teaching me a, a wonderful lesson in life. No, I was trying to get out of having to pay $60 for that backpack. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely let, let me ask you one. What was you thinking when you shot the minivan with the bow and arrow? <laughs> oh. Um... <laughs> Well, I was uh, I was thinking I want to see how far I can launch this arrow across the yard, and uh, when when I hit the side of the minivan, it didn't go well. It didn't go well because <laughs> um, Dad came over and proceeded to uh, take my bow, my little stick bow, from me, and he snapped it over his knee 
And that was the end of my bow shooting until we got a little bit older and got some compound bows. And that didn't even last very long. You backed up. I backed bolts out too far on mine blew up on me. Yeah. Blake's I backed his out too far and he went to draw his bow back and it came apart and came back and hit him in the hit him in the face, busted him all up. I mean, we were rough, son. We were rough. Believe me. You can't have anything nice when you have boys either. You might as well take that out of the mix. Well, you know, you guys both I say I say we were rough. We we Blake and I actually had a wonderful childhood. Um, we were never abused. Uh, we were always protected. We were always provided for. Um, we always had enough and even more than we needed. Um, thankful for all of that. We really don't have. We we didn't experience have to. We did thankfully didn't have to experience trauma and things like that in our childhood. You guys did a wonderful job. Even going back, looking back, as a kid, I can never remember seeing you guys argue. Yeah. Never. I never remember seeing you guys pick up a beer. Never mm-hmm. heard you say a single cuss word. I mean, the whole time we were growing up, I can distinctly remember the first time I saw you guys argue and it y'all had a big falling out about something and you I guess it just you couldn't hide it, right? <laughs> but other than that, you guys really kept us isolated from the bad the, you know, the not I don't want to say the bad things, but from just the the struggles that every married couple goes through. You know what I mean? I think that's what you got to try to do. I mean, everybody's going to fuss and argue and stuff of that nature but if you 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 don't need to drag the kids into it you gotta you do that when when you have opportunity when y'all y'all are not around everybody's gonna fuss and argue even probably blake and cat fuss and argue oh Oh, everybody does uh yeah i lost my temper the other day um Yes, I'm not perfect, contrary okay. to some people's popular belief. I lost my temper today on QuickBooks. Um, that's another time. I say I lost my temper. I just about pulled my hair out. You but, about blew a fuse. Did, did you, what it, but did you guys like make a pact well, in the beginning to, to not do those things? But here's the thing. I think it's healthy for kids to see you to have an argument. Now, not just a knockout, dragout argument, but I think it's healthy for kids to see minor arguments or disagreements mm-hmm. that teaches them how to solve those as they get older. Mm-hmm. And you you saw some of those, but they weren't anything major where you would remember a traumatic thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I've got a good story on an argument. No, so, we're not going to go there. Yes, we are. No, we're not. So one time we hit, we were really upset. I don't know what we were arguing about. I can't remember this day. <laughs> So this was before y'all was born. No, it wasn't. We had it, it might have been just Chad, but we drove in the truck to get away, you know, and left you with Nanny and Poppy, I guess. This needs to be edited. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and we're going down there and we're arguing and <laughs> turn over and look at him. He's got this big booger hanging out of his nose. <laughs> and I'm busting out laughing. I don't think it's very funny. I said, Oh, but it is funny. <laughs> it ended the and I, argument. And I think God put that booger in there for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, and my point is we, we, we had a wonderful childhood, but 
you guys didn't necessarily have the, the same opportunities no. to, to have the childhood that Blake and I had. And um, I just want to go back and, and talk about what it was like for, we'll start with you, Dad, what it was like for you growing up, how it was different, and how it shaped you into the father that you became for us. Well, I think I had a pretty good childhood. We had, we didn't like anything really. We just, uh, I mean, some some things obviously that that come along with my brother getting killed in an accident and stuff like that that changed my teenage years. But uh, up until that point, I mean, great parents never missed a meal. But, you know, I had a normal a normal childhood until that. Yeah. And then things just sort of spiraled out of control. And really, I really wasn't right in the head until I met uh, your mom, which must not have been right in my head <laughs> by meeting her, but <laughs> I'll just play it. So funny. But no, she <laughs> sort of grounded me. We were still kids, 15 years old and, she sort of grounded me, and we got in ch- – well, I was actually in church before I met her, but then she came along, and she started going – she started going to church, and then uh, it's just a weird – Our I don't want to get too far out, but our spiritual life has always been sort of crazy because either she was on fire and I lived – wrong mm-hmm. or had backslidden or whatever you want to call it. So uh, very, at very few points in our life, we was equal equal being spiritual. Mm-hmm. So, um, but no, I was, uh, that was a real traumatic thing. So uh, I dropped out of school and. Yeah, um, I want to, I want to, I want to talk about that just a, just a little bit because we've never really sat down and talked about how you work through that um obviously randy is blake and i's uncle dad's older brother we never got to meet randy uh he passed away in a car accident um how old was randy uh 16 and how old were you 13 13 um so tragic and just unimaginable thing to have to deal with especially at that volatile time in your you know your development as a young man. Um, and I mean, we've never talked about what it looked like because when Randy passed away, you didn't have any other brothers and sisters. So it was just you and Nanny and Pops. Well, and we and was real close. So, I mean, wouldn't you lie. and Randy were super close. Oh yeah. He yeah. would, you know, he, he could drive, he would take me where he went, whatever. So, you know, and, and it's a thousand wonders. I wasn't with him the night that he got killed. Really? So, um, you know, it, it it was tough. It was real tough. And, you know, mom come along two years later. and But those two years seemed like 10 years, mm-hmm. you know. So um, it, it, it was pretty hard. I, I, I know what it's like when people lose someone close. I mean, it can have a traumatic effect on physically, spiritually, mentally. I mean, mm-hmm. It, it affects your whole life. So, uh, yeah, but 
outside of that, yes, my childhood was before that was great. Yeah, yeah. Well, those two years that you spent before you met mom, I mean, what what did you did you have someone to look up to? Did you have a mentor? Did you have somebody that was helping you? I mean, how did you get through it, man? Well, some of his friends uh, come around and helped. Uh, Big Nick. Yeah. Remember Big Nick? You know, he would check on me and uh, wow. take me places here and there. Um, the, the Davis boys, mm-hmm. um, Glenn Wood, Charles, you remember Charles? Yeah. His older brother was was Randy's best friend. So he would come around, but it didn't really matter because I didn't want to do nothing. Mm, I mean, I just yeah. drawed in a shell, and I, I didn't want to really do anything. Just wanted to be alone, and uh, but there were people trying to help, but I just wanted to be left alone and deal with it on my own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, not real good at feelings. Yeah, <laughs> talking yeah. about deep. Yeah, feelings, but it it was really tough, and you know, you lose a loved one, you don't ever, you don't ever get over it. You just learn how to live with it better. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, especially your best buddy, you know. And you, oh yeah, be- he you was, know he was your best buddy. And the only reason I didn't go with him at night, he was going to the drag strip, and the only reason I didn't go is because I just got some uh, shock covers for my dirt bike. No and, kidding, man. <laughs> so I wanted to stay home, put those on. I had some new hand grips, and I thought, you know. Man, I want to get all this thing decked out, and I just, I'm just going to stay home. So then I stayed. So I just said, no, nah, I'm not going. So, you know, that, that there again, that was that was intended by God, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, that was put there to keep me from going. <clears throat> so. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I never. I never knew that. I never knew that. That's what kept you home that mm-hmm. night. Um, wow, man. Uh, thanks for sharing that with us, dad. I've never, never heard that part. And I want to pause there for you. And then I want to talk, give mom the opportunity to talk a little bit about the struggles that maybe not the struggles, but just what it was like when you were coming up. If you want to talk about the struggles, that's good. If you want to talk about the good stuff, that's good too, whatever. And then I want to bring it up to the point that you guys did meet. Well, I grew up with two alcoholic parents. Uh, we moved around a bunch. It it was not easy, especially for Phyllis and I. There's four girls. Phyllis and I, um, Phyllis is the oldest, and then I'm 18 months apart. So um, it, it wasn't always good. It, it was, wasn't always easy. Um, I know when, when Chad was the first child on From Anywhere, first grandchild, first everything. And when Phyllis and I decided to start having kids, we decided right then that we were going to be a pact with each other. And if we saw, you know, there's some good things about my parents that we did learn, but there's some things we made a pact that we were not going to do. And you can, and that's the biggest thing I always try to share with people, regardless what kind of childhood you grew up in, you have the power to make those changes if you choose to. Is it easy? No. Do you always make the perfect decisions? No. 
however, you can make that change if you decide to. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, it, it, it was rough at some times. Um, money, growing up in family of six, of course, you don't have as much. I think that's why I showered you guys with so much. Um, you want the kids to enjoy what you did. I think what I brought away, something that was good for my childhood, is a bunch of traditions. Christmas traditions, um, you know, holiday traditions. Now, I didn't grow up in any kind of church, and I know it seems so hard to believe, but I know with um, a young man that you had that experience with the other day, you know, I didn't get saved till I was 17. I knew nothing about anything. I know that seems people maybe watch this say, that's impossible in the United States, but it's not. I knew nothing. I didn't know the Christmas story, Easter stories, none of those. So. Yeah. 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 Um, who, as, as far as your, you know, you had a lot of, you had a lot of siblings mm-hmm. growing up, uh, you know, as you guys came up and you guys were experiencing difficulty in, you know, whatever the scenario was, what it, whether it was abuse or having to deal with the, the alcoholic parents or the constant moving, mm-hmm. um, who did you bond with most and how did you guys work together to en- endure those situations? Um, I, that, that was the one thing that I do get jealous of is, uh, having a, you know, best friend or something like that. I never got the ability to, to have that because moving around so much. <clears throat> and I, I was sexually abused when I was younger. I was um, 10 and I pretty much dealt with that on my own mm-hmm. and covered it up with the only th- way I knew to deal with that is to drink. So I started pretty early, and I didn't know anything else. That's what I saw at home, so that's what worked. Yeah, it's all you had to cope with it, right? Right, yeah. right. That's all I had. And, you know, I remember I remember one day trying to tell my sister about what had happened, and the guy was a neighbor, and he actually come up. And that's a whole other story. But, that's a lot. So, yeah, that's Yeah, so I didn't terrible. have anyone. So it was on my own. So I learned to be very independent. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Phyllis and I didn't really... We were we were two different two different things. She, really? Yeah, she was into drugs. Yeah. Um, and she wouldn't mind me sharing that. I mean, mostly like pot and marijuana and stuff, and a lot of a lot of rebellion because of the moving around and this that, and the other. And um, so we didn't get together closer. We were closer when we were young than the teenage. We split apart. Okay. And then um, reunited when we were in maybe our twenties. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, here we've got two different people coming from two totally different family dynamics. How in the world did y'all end up meeting each other? Well, before you get to that, really, to touch things that happen in your childhood, parents need to realize this, do carry over into your adult life. Yeah. I mean, just like I remember – we, I don't guess we're going to get into this, but I told you during the traumatic time when I was away from the Lord, and I told you that how much it hurt when you you went back. You would come home and visit, and you'd go back, and I told you, and and you you took it as I was trying to cop out, and I wasn't. But you, I said, you know, when when you go back. It tears my heart out. Yeah. I said, and you said, don't give me that. Don't, yeah. don't give me, 
But see, the deal is, and Mom will tell you from, uh, and, and a lot of it, I've got a law enforcement background, so some of it comes from that too, but when you experience loss, like when y'all was kids, she, I drove her crazy about watching over y'all. If she went anywhere, it was like, you got to be with them. You better not take your eyes off of them. Mm-hmm. So, and even through some hard times with me and mom, you know, well, we went to counseling for one period of time, and that's the counselor's one that made me realize it because he brought it up. You know, you hadn't got over your brother's death. You've, you, you don't, you can't experience loss. Yeah. You, yeah. You, I don't know where it's cause I never dealt with it fully or what, but you know, anything, the thought of losing someone, I mean, all the way up through our early adult life was traumatic mm-hmm. really later than that. Because I mean, and, and mama's the same way. We worried about you like crazy if you was on deployment. Yeah. So you carry over those traits that affect you, but you've got to put them in submission. You know what I'm saying? You've got to fight those. Yeah. You can't let them overcome you because if you do, that's who you'll become. You'll be a, you'll, you'll worry yourself to death. You won't be able to have a, a healthy relationship. You won't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you'll be a product, uh, simply yeah. a product of the trauma that you've experienced in it, the past. Exactly. So yeah. you, you've got to, you know, you got to learn how to deal with that and push that out. And your mama's experienced some of the same things from from her childhood. So those things do come with you, and and they really, I mean, I don't know no way to deal with it other than the Lord. That's the only, that's the only hope for something like that. <clears throat> Well, you know, Dad, as I work through stuff in my own life, uh, just kind of um, whatever you want to call it, a post-traumatic stress or whatever left over from from my service in the SEAL teams, I think one of the most powerful things for me in dealing with those things from the past and how they're affecting me in my relationships with others today is uh, I think one of the most powerful things for me has been to at least identify the what is causing all right so so i i have an issue um i i have i have multiple crazy they're they're not huge things but they're just little personality traits right and you think man i maybe i'm i'm a little bit weird right but then when you can then you can identify what to link it to and you see the cause of it when you can just call it out and identify it it helps take a lot of power away from it yeah tremendously Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and I don't know, that's, that's not fixing it, but you know, I, I learned that stuff about myself in counseling. Somebody will help me Well, I'll tell them how I'll tell them what I'm doing. And they're like, Oh, did that ever, did that ever happen back when you were in the SEAL teams? Like, did you ever feel that way because of something? Is, and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. I, I did. And then I identify it. So sometimes it takes that third party for, for me to point it out. This is what it is. I make the connection, and then once I identify it, I, it, it helps me tremendously. Not that it necessarily fixes it, but it helps me at least approach it in a in a more healthy way when it comes up. You I know? think that's a that's a good point. But the only way to really and really and truly, I don't even think until here within the past few years. I mean, 
you can't get rid of it unless the Lord gets rid of it. So well, yeah. you you got to put it in the Lord's hands and and let him take care of it. But it so never what, goes away. Well, it never goes well no. to an extent. It don't in other words things don't affect me now the way they did 20 years ago with that. Yeah. 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 You know, I never knew that that was one of your one one of your bigger struggles and and one of maybe the cause of a lot of tension um, throughout our childhood, the cause of maybe a lot of tension between you and mom and y'all's relationship was that that traumatic loss that you experienced with your brother. Makes total sense to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it does. Yeah. It makes total sense to me. But um, you just kind of brought that to light for us here. So, yeah. Um, but bringing it up, coming back to our conversation, you grew up in Michigan. You grew up in Georgia, Dad. You guys, two different, totally different cultures, <laughs> totally different uh, everything. How did, where and how did you guys meet, and how did, how did that, how, what happened? Well, so I was, he like dropped out of school, I was still there, and his friend, Big Ed, claimed that he had a girlfriend or something and james was okay well let me see her so he comes over to the house and i'm outside and james said no way he he didn't believe it of course no i was not if you're watching big ed no (laughs) no no offense yeah no i wasn't dating big ed Um, i don't know if big ed listens to the podcast i don't think so (laughs) yeah that was a little too rough cut for me um and James, were you hanging out with Big Ed or what? Well, at school he would follow me around and stuff. Okay, yeah. And me and him yeah, was and childhood was, friends from way back. Yeah, and I was afraid of him because he was like huge. <laughs> I mean, he'd like yeah, he had a beard in like the ninth grade. Dang. Yeah, and I, you know, I was already adjusting to, you know, you got to think of my childhood too. Only one time experience did i have any experience going to school with even black kids you know it's just how it was there uh you're talking about in michigan in michigan okay, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and of course we moved all around the place but um yeah and then all this southern backwoods i didn't know anything about that yeah yeah so i, I was actually afraid of them so so he brought them over there and then i james wanted me to go on a double date with him and ed and his girlfriend that he had at the time, I know. No, I'm not. Dad wanted you to go on a date? Yeah. Daddy wanted me to go you on and a date. Me and Ed. With him and his girlfriend. Yeah, and she chased me from that point on. Uh, I think that's backwards. <laughs> yeah, because I was dating another boy at the time. And um, so he he cut in on the other guy, and that was that. Well, darn, big Ed. Poor Big Ed, man. He got, he got roped in into this end. whole thing. Yeah. He was the he was the originator of it all. Did, have y'all ever thanked him for that? No, well, I don't it was think actually, so. it was, Charles played a role in that too. Yeah, my buddy Charles. Yeah, he lived down the street, and him and Jenny was was friends. So when I found out she didn't want to have nothing, that she wasn't going to date Ed, so I sort of pursued her. And uh, Charles was my end to get me in down to see her. Yeah. Because they was friends, so I uh-huh. could sort of tag along. And Well, and I was still dating that other boy. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I made more friends. I was kind of like Brooke. I had more friends with boys than I did girls. Yeah. Like, I'm very direct and to the point. I'm not prissy. I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not in someone that likes drama, all those things. I, was, mm-hmm. I don't want any part of that, so... Well, I think it's a, a interesting thing we should point out also that you guys were born on the exact same day of the exact same year. Now, wait a minute. He's two hours older than me. All right. Dad is two hours older than mom. So when you guys met, how old were you guys at this point? Fifteen. Fifteen. But I had a new car and was driving. Oh, yeah. That's why I went out with So him. what? Were you just an outlaw or something? Yeah. Uh-huh. Her mom and dad couldn't stand me. You just well, so you quit school, got a new car, and was driving at fifteen and working and full that's, time. That's illegal, right? You because I mean, yes. you couldn't drive at fifteen back then either, could that, you? That's right. So you just went full out. You had went full on outlaw at exactly. this point. <laughs> Rebel. <laughs> what kind of car did you have? Uh, a white com- uh, Trans Am eighty model, eighty model Trans Am. I'm sure it was always clean, too, wasn't it? Perfect. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't even take her on a date if it was raining. (laughs) Dad has always been a car guy, and it's actually a shame that he doesn't have a car now because... I think I need to get one. I think that... Well... We can work on that later. uh, I don't think so. Dad always had... Even as we were growing up, that, that was Dad's thing, always, was he had a really nice muscle car... And he won the car shows and did that, did the whole circuit, and that was always his thing. So I could only imagine how he was when he was 15 running full outlaw. Except for that and, old truck he had that you were playing in and put it in reverse, gliding down the driveway. I never ran oh, that yeah. fast in my war life. Yeah, I did do that. <laughs> so when you guys met uh, and you guys decided to start dating, uh, how long did y'all – did y'all date for long before you decided that this was that you guys were gonna four years like, be together for a, four oh, years? Well, four well, years before we four married. Four years, no kidding. Yeah, how, when how we were was 19. that? How yeah. was that? Four years. I mean, what were you got? You guys weren't living. You guys were still living apart from each other, or? Well, yeah, we met when we were fifteen. Got married when we were nineteen. Nineteen, but four years is a long time. I mean, were y'all hanging? Were y'all hanging out a lot? I mean, were y'all spending a lot of time together? Yeah, my parents really didn't like them, and I don't blame them because (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking about if I think about after I had my own kids, I wouldn't have either. He's full outlaw, man. (laughs) Well, yeah, dropped out of school. I got my GED. Yeah, but. And they I still didn't like it. Well, <laughs> and which back then what was uh, was a acceptable career path, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I went on to, you know, I did the the draft and stuff, and yeah. I mean, you you could go to college or whatever with a GED. With a GED, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was. I guess I was a little little rough. I was a little mean, and yeah. Um, so you were a fighter, weren't you, Dad? Yeah. Huh? Terrible fighter. <laughs> I, I liked it. That's why I got in law. But to be honest, why I got in law enforcement. Yeah. I thought, well, you know, if I have to do do something to some guy, then, hey, you know. But there there again, I was just turning 21, still sowing my oats and just well, loved you, the scuffle. Do you, think, do you think, too, though, do you think that um, – Going back to, 
I, I know it's it. You know, you said when you you were really in that stage of depression for that two years until you met mom, and then did that kind of pull you out of that depression? Yes. But okay. But did, were you? Was there some anger still there from from the past? Do you? I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Oh, he was a fighter even before me. Well, okay, yeah, I so mean, you always were. There. Yeah. Me and Randy would fight. Elementary and, school, and the kids would hide in closets and stuff when we'd get to fighting because this our our buddies because they would get rough. So there's no undercurrent to the fighting. You just like to fight. When, I'm glad you got a. I'm glad. I'm glad you keep a sore back. Well, <laughs> they'd be fighting everybody. There's no I, fight in me now except for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. You guys are dating for four years, which is a long time. Obviously, Granny and Grandpa don't like Dad, which is probably causing a lot of problems for you. Oh, yeah. But Dad is doing better because now he has you, mm-hmm. which is kind of helping him out of that place that he had been in. I think it helped the whole in. family as a whole just okay. kind of fill the void. So when you guys would hang out, would you just hang out at Nanny and Pops' house? Most yeah. of the time, yeah. Yeah. And then what uh, you 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 do that for 4 years any any good story anything you want to share from that time? Or not that I can remember. Um what well, what what eventually when you got 19, I guess, what made you decide to to get married? I mean, I wanted to get out of get out of Dodge. <laughs> I wanted out. Of course, no so James. So you were ready to get out of yeah, out of that yeah. house, yeah. That's the only avenue i knew out and of course now he wasn't ready to get married he wanted to still live with mom and dad and have all the money and the cars and i remember we were getting married and we had to sell some truck he had or something he got oh he was mad he he went he wanted to stay home and live with mom and dad still some more but he Uh i persuaded him and what were you doing for a living when you guys got married dad surveying okay so you and pops were surveying what were you doing mom well, uh, see, she I was, was still in school. Well, no, after well, yeah. after I graduated, I was working for a CPA firm. Okay. <laughs> so that's where I was working to start with. And then I went to work at the bank. And then, of course, when you came along, we, you know, we did what we had to, did without a few things, and I stayed at home and did daycare so I could keep you. So When y'all got married, did you immediately know you wanted to have children? Oh yeah, yeah. I know I did. Uh huh. He took a little more persuading. It's funny we were talking about that last night. I said, "How long do you think you would have waited before? What would you think we'd be forty before we had Chad?" <laughs> what? Why didn't you want to have kids, Dad? Were you did you just well, you like gotta, to play and spend money kind well, of like you are now? Well, you got to look at it. I started policing. You was born. When I was policing at $6.06 an hour. Oh, okay. So, you know, uh, just like probably anybody, even in today's time, that'll pop in your head is, can we afford to have kids? Well, if you wait till you can afford, you you won't ever have them. Was there anything about, like, you didn't want to become attached to something else, like, like you were with Randy with the potential for it to be taken from you again? I, I don't think so unless it was just uh, subconsciously. Yeah. But, you know, it, it may have had something to do like when y'all got hurt or 
sick, maybe how I reacted. Yeah. It, that may have played a, a part in that. I know with our kids, I, I didn't think about it beforehand, but now that's such a burden that you carry of worrying about your kids mm-hmm. that you don't think you're going to be carrying before you have them. I mean, you don't, I just didn't think about it. Well, that's all you think about. Yeah. I mean, that's your life. Your, your kids are your life all the way until Chad moved out and then you moved out. Well, when, after you moved out, we didn't have, I mean, it's like, what do you do? Our mm-hmm. life was over with you don't, you don't even know what you're going to do. Well, believe me, it doesn't stop when they grow up either. Oh, I bet. It's it's so much better when you're younger. You don't think of that at the time, but now there's nothing we can do. You know, we can't protect you anymore. We can't. I can't pick you up and make things better like when that happened <clears throat> with the uh, pericardial cyst. I was devastated. I mean, all that went through my head is a million aisles, you know, a million things. What can I do? What can I do? What can, and I couldn't fix it. And that was one of the hardest things when you can't fix something mm-hmm. or help or do anything. Mm-hmm. That's that's the worst thing. Well, I'm glad you guys decided to have some children. Yeah, me too. Um, and so y'all had me when Dad was policing. Mm-hmm. What how what what changed? What what what? How did that affect your relationship? How did that affect your life? Your careers? Well, I- I think um, having kids is stressful on any marriage, definitely. Um, <clears throat> comes in where you're now the center of my whole world, and he's <laughs> he's kind of in the doghouse. <laughs> he's you know, um, so I don't know. And and James is a little selfish, more so than what I am. Um, so I don't know, James. How did that? You're doing a good job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it It was, I mean, I can remember it like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. You think of the pain I went through to have you, I would do that every day if I had to. And never even think when you have a child and it's just the child that loves you unconditionally, the child that is everything. I don't know. You can't explain it. I told Blake, you'll, and I've told you a million times, you'll never, ever understand the true love of a parent until you have your own. And then you'll realize I'll lay my life down for any of you, for Caitlin, for Brooke. Of course, my grandkids would come first, but the, I would never even, it wouldn't even hesitate, not even a second. I would lay my life down and it's just everything. I, I don't know. You can't explain it. Well, that, that takes you right on up through the, the, point that the firstborn was born yeah the first of everything first the grandchild first on both sides born, son yeah old chad's proud of that guys if y'all don't well know, but go ahead me, and read, just just lay in it for a minute chad say it once i've more. carried the burden for my whole life let's relish yeah this, but though. he's always said though that you was my favorite he always says blake's your favorite he always has been <laughs> Well, but the thing is, the firstborn is you make the most mistakes with, and that is true. Um, but And I always try to tell people that a lot of times some younger ki- like kids that I've taught at school or have kids of their own, and they'll, sometimes they'll ask me, what could you tell me? And the biggest thing I said, understand that you're going to make mistakes and don't be too big to apologize to your child. 
and I've done that many times. Um, you probably deserve more apologies than Blake. Of course, Blake was much easier than you were. You were difficult from day one, the minute you were born. So you were an emergency C-section, and um, they couldn't quiet you. I was still in recovery. I was half awake, and they had to bring you to me because they said, man, we can't calm him down. And They the, still can't. Yeah. Well, the minute they placed you in my arms, you stopped immediately. So that was pretty neat. Well, we might have to try that next time you get out of control. We'll call mom up here and say, we strap him to you or something. Try to get that joker under control. They still can't calm me down, son. They still can't quiet me down. Well, and Chad's Chad's got, I don't know what you would call it, but he's like I am. I told y'all that in the beginning of the darn podcast and y'all denied it. Well, several things, though. There's pros and cons to that because when I'm going to do something, first of all, I find the biggest challenge in my life at that time, whatever the biggest hurdle is for me. I mean, it can be something simple to someone else, but whatever the hurdle is for me, I master that. I don't just halfway master that. I will do it and do it very well. And I won't stop until I do master it. Mm -hmm. I'm very headstrong. Mm -hmm. Um but that can come back to bite you sometimes. Let's take a little break, guys. We'll be right back. What's up, guys? This episode is brought to you by Salty Britches. I hope you've heard me talking about Salty Britches. It's the number one anti-chafing cream on the market, period. I use it for all of my ultra marathons. Any race, any run that I'm doing over 50 miles, I put a thin layer of Salty Britches on my feet pull my sock up over the top, and I'm good to go. One application of Salty Britches has kept me comfortable, blister-free, chafe-free for over 100 miles of continuous running in the Georgia heat. One application, yeah. And I apply this stuff to any hot spot on my body that would normally chafe or blister or whatever it may be. It's a game changer. I got enough, I got my feel of chafing and SEAL training. Yeah, it sucks. I don't enjoy it, which is why I'm so passionate about Salty Britches. Also, this stuff is made in America. The owner of Salty Britches, Amy, is an amazing human being that really has poured her heart and soul into making the best product that can possibly be made, and she has achieved that. Look, buy some Salty Britches, throw some in your running box, throw some in your everyday carry bag, Throw some in your backpack, and when you need it, you're going to be really glad you have it. Order yours at GetSaltyBritches.com. Use pro code 3 of 7, the number 3, lowercase, O-F, the number 7, for 20% off your purchase from Salty Britches. Follow them on Instagram at GetSaltyBritches. Hey, we love you, Salty Britches. Thanks for being there when we need you. Thanks for sponsoring this episode of the 3 of 7 podcast. All right, guys, we're back. Um, Mom was just talking about how she, whenever she has an obstacle or a hurdle in front of her, how she gets front sight focused on it, she attacks it and masters it. Yes, that that is where I got that from in my mind. We, I call it front sight focus, right? And that's what she did with her college education. She did that with her uh, fitness and her triathlons and you know that character trait of hers shine through, and a lot of a lot of times in our 
you know, as we watched her um, in our during our childhoods, right? So I always relate that part of me back to you. You know, Dad and Blake, they're kind of more just go with the flow, you know? Yeah. They're, they're, they're go with the flow. They make good presidents. That's why Blake's the president of the company. You know, the more Chad relates to me to you, you might wind up with less... Um put downs from mom if she realized she's putting you down she's kind of putting me down oh no you're the baby <laughs> it's uh this might be beneficial for you dad exactly um okay all right let's get all right let's get back on track uh y'all want to just skip over when blake was born <laughs> <laughs> no no that was another that was another bargaining tool when i was ready to have another one and james was like we got one isn't that enough? And he was so he was probably the the one you had was the best one. How why would you want another one? Well, sometimes when you had me. I'm glad we did have the other one. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's funny how you love kids. You know they always say the favorite. Or you love this one more. You love it's it's amazing when you have two kids. You love different things about them. Chad definitely gave us a run for our money uh, more so than Blake. Blake, I. I don't even know if I spanked him five times. Well, I learned how to capitalize on Chad's mistakes. When I he made think a mistake, I could say, well, here's my chance to really gain in the end here <laughs> with the providers. So, Well, I think he would see what happened because here's Chad. If he was upset, he was going to make the entire household upset. He's everybody, still that way. Everybody was going to suffer, not just him. Everybody in the house was going to suffer. Yeah. So I think Blake kind of watched down um, with that. Yeah, yeah. So he's bad about that, son. You should have. He had this whole office turned upside down earlier. I couldn't even. I just had to kick him out. He had the whole room in this bad vibes. He was putting. Don't yeah. get me on that. Don't get me on anything to do with taxes or accounting. Yeah, or I put me on it or technology because uh, Blake is very good with technology. He he was. Um, so how many years apart are me and Blake? <laughs> three three years and eleven months. Really? Uh-huh. Three years and eleven months. Darn, I didn't know that, man. Yeah. Oh. Um. Well. <laughs> and then Blake, he, I, we were actually so we lived in Cobb County, and we were out at Phyllis's house in Polk County at Jacob's birthday party. Uh huh. And my water broke, and. So we had to, it's about a hour drive, which when you're going into labor feels like forever. Mm-hmm. So my mom was driving and we couldn't find James because there weren't cell phones. He was out doing a surveying job or something. So that was a little scary. I bet. Yeah. And um, so you were, what, when did you get out of the police work, Dad? I was policing then too. And surveying. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, this is why you guys hear me a lot of times say that we, Blake and I were raised uh, in a big way, especially in our younger life by a bunch of women, our Mm -hmm. mom and our aunts. And it's because our dad, our grandfather, they owned a surveying business. They worked two jobs. They, they did, they, they were essentially mom, you worked your way into the, the, the daycare Thing right. so you could be home and earn money and spend time with us, right? Exactly. Which was a wonderful thing. 
But dad, you were, I mean, you and pops, y'all got after it, man. Oh yeah. Y'all just, y'all got after it and y'all did very well in business for a lot of years. Yeah. Um, and so we're coming up out off of Powder Springs Road. We we have a that that was an awesome place to grow up, by the way. We grew up, we lived in a and no might not have been the best for you guys, but for us as kids, it was awesome because we had our house and then across the yard was our grandparents' house. So we could go back and forth. And uh we our our grandfather, we called him Pops. He just passed away not long ago. And uh, Pops was always the one, if you wanted a, a ATV or something, big, some big new toy, right? Y'all would actually send us to Pops, right? <laughs> James probably did. Yeah, y'all would send us to Pops, and mm-hmm. we'd go over there, and, and nine times out of ten, he would get us, if we asked for something. Now, now I'm not saying that he, I, I don't ever feel like I was just, spoiled rotten oh no y'all we were taken care of that you know y'all didn't have an abundance of anything but you never really liked a, a heck of a lot and pops made us work too i mean pops would would mm-hmm. not only make us work in the business surveying with you guys from a very young age but even cutting the grass i mean pops would always give us an opportunity to work for our money yeah he always did that well, we both instilled that in you guys. We didn't want you to, you know, we wanted you to be productive citizens when you grow up. Well, I, I remember uh, there were so many times that, uh, you know, and, and this was kind of later on in my teenage years, I would go, you know, at the beginning of the school year, you would get school clothes, right? Mm-hmm. And and I remember going shopping with some guys, some of my friends, right? And their parents would just like literally load them down with whatever they wanted, right? And, and these these kids that I hung out with, not a near one of them ever had to work for anything. I can mm-hmm. never remember a single one of my friends cutting a yard, doing a job, doing any of that, man. None of them. No. And guess what they are now? They're turds. <laughs> a lot of them were. They're, no, they they weren't turds then. then they, yeah. they they just they were never required to work for anything. They yeah. didn't. They don't know. They didn't know the value of nothing. And we were required to work. I don't. We weren't required to like work for our dinner. But if we wanted so, like like the backpack, I wanted. Well, I was required to go out on a six mile trail run. Yeah. And and I worked with uh I don't know when I started working with you guys uh the summers survey and I wanna say I was probably thirteen, twelve. You're probably younger than that. Yeah, I was very young. And and, and actually going out with responsibility mm-hmm. um to where I'm having to perform tasks that matter, right? Yeah. And um that was a that was a wonderful thing, a wonderful opportunity that you know, dad and pops and you, mom, gave us. Well, we even made you, um, when the summertime came and you would work, we would make you pay, what do we call it? We came up with something like rent or something when you were a little older. We'd make you pay us a portion of that. Now, you didn't realize it, but we just kept that money and put it back. And yeah. then later in the year when you wanted something, that's where we'd get that money from. Yeah. I don't know uh, if you ever knew no, that. No, I didn't. Yeah, because we, oh, you would pitch a 
fit. I work for this money and blah, blah, blah. We'd argue with it. And I was trying to teach you responsibility of paying a bill or something like that. Yeah. And, and it wasn't very much that I took. but And I put it up for you for later. Mm-hmm. But that was. That's a hard thing as a as a parent to do, too, because when yeah. your kids want something, you want to give it to them naturally. Yeah. Like, you know, you want to see them enjoy it and the look when they get it. And to postpone that from their working, I mean, that's a hard thing to do as a parent. Yeah. And let yeah. alone, that, you know, on the kids' end, they don't want to do it either, but it's good. It's for the good of both of you. It's mm-hmm. what grandparents are for, though, too, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You can instill <laughs> the, yeah. that stuff, but when they come to our house, we can spoil them. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, we do a good job with that. Yeah, but, I mean, I'll beg to differ. Pops made us work. Yeah. Yeah, he, Man, did. he he did. Once like, well, we Blakely got old enough jo- to know what it was. Blakely and Joe, uh, Joe, they're they're not old enough yet. We'll put them yeah. to work later. Yeah, put Joe out well, there on the weed eater. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my grandfather did that with me and Phyllis. He would when we would stay there, and of course we'd mess his shoes up and stuff. But he would have us. Okay, I'm going to give you a silver dollar. Now that was a big th- deal, but you had to shine his shoes or you had to go to the post office, you had to do something to earn whatever you were going to get. Mm-hmm. No matter how simple the job was, you had to do something for it. We always had that. We, y'all, we always had that from the time we were able to understand really yeah. what money was. Yeah, because you had chores. Yeah. If you wanted something, you'd have to do A, B, and C, and then you'll get that. Yeah. So coming up, I'd say in our, you know, as, as Blake and I are coming up and we're now a family, I'd say we in our in our younger years we probably spent the most time with you, mom. Yeah. Uh, in in those years, well, and that's you, normally how it's supposed to be. And you started a business, mm-hmm. uh, a childcare business out of our house there. Yep. So we got to be home with you, and good lord, we did. Uh, we, uh, I mean, I stuck a broadhead arrow through my lip one time, busted heads, fall. I mean, we were we were pretty rough and, um, and and tumbly, and we got through those years though, man. We got through them good, and then where I really remember where we started really spending time more time with dad was when we were old enough to start coming out and joining on the crew with dad. And it would always be me, Dad, um, and and another helper, and then Blake. Eventually, did you survey much with us, Blake? Oh yeah. Okay. And then, as we got a little older, I started. I got into hunting. Now you didn't care nothing about hunting. Not Dad. till not till y'all started wanting to oh, to yeah. go. But then we went every yeah. I remember every a weekend. lot of hunts up at the forty yeah. acres. But but I remember when I first decided i wanted to start hunting because from the first time i ever went hunting i loved it it's something about it just just clicked with me right and dad and pops they won't about no hunting no, son uh, <laughs> yeah, the time. first time you went was with joey yeah oh yeah that's yeah. well with joe uh jeff you know we would go out for i think we hunted for two years with joey Jeff would would take me. Joey would take Jake. We hunted for two years before I shot a deer. Finally, and um, that was by happenstance, wasn't it? Y'all was walking we were, out. We were crossing a field, and I actually, I, as I'm writing my book, I actually wrote this story out 
we were crossing a field in that old blue truck that Joey had. Joey had, but I was riding with Jeff. The floorboards were so rusted out of this truck, you could see the ground under your feet as you were crossing through the field. You couldn't step down too hard on the floorboard, or you'd go plumb through the bottom of the truck. <laughs> And yeah, the the deer just happened to be running across the cow pasture, and I jumped out and shot one. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, that that was something that Blake and I, uh, I think we or I became passionate about to start with. Blake got, figured out I don't know at what point you you enjoyed it, and then Dad went out and leased a piece of property for us me him and you Blake mm-hmm. so that we could start hunting together, and then we had a lot of good memories. Um, doing that together yeah. for a lot of years, man. Mm-hmm. We'd, we'd bring, we'd haul the ATVs out there. We'd set up a big tent. Y'all remember when we took old Daniel out there <laughs> camping oh, with yeah. us that time? Yeah, crapped on the side of the tent. <laughs> <laughs> he was scared of everything. <laughs> we, of course, though, we packed and loaded the bobcat up and everything like three in the morning, left. Cause he wouldn't, he wouldn't quit complaining. I, about I still it. can't believe Dad did that. We, Me either. We we had this guy out there with us, man, a friend of mine, uh, Daniel Worsham. Daniel, if you ever listen to this podcast, God bless you, brother. Daniel uh, got so scared that night. We had set up a massive camp there on the hunting property. We were riding four wheelers and working, and you know this and that. And the coyote started up that night. Yeah, they was pretty close. They were pretty close, but Daniel got so nervous that his stomach got tore up, and he couldn't quit crapping. <laughs> and, he, and he went to the bathroom right outside well, the front door. That, that, that's the problem. He was so scared he got the craps, but he was he was also so scared he couldn't leave the tent. So when when you've got the mud butt, but you can't leave the tent, it's a bad scenario. That's a bad recipe, right there. It, it really is. So, man, we had all we had all kind of good times out there. I remember when we all maybe Greg Willingham was with us. We we didn't have a tractor or nothing to cut that grass with, and everyone haul, hauled their tractor oh, yeah. mowers out. We had an army of tractor mowers out there cutting, cutting the that field, field of probably three foot high grass, <laughs> getting it cut down. We did all kinds of stuff, man. I I'll never forget the morning we um, we and um, all these stories revolve around having having the, the craps. But we uh, we got up one morning to go turkey hunting, and me and Dad and Blake loaded up in the truck, and we rolled out the house and went to Martin's to get a biscuit. Hey, this is five a.m. Yeah, five a.m. We're all fired up about going turkey hunting. And Dad pulls up through the drive through a Martin's and craps his pants, and we had after to, he eat the biscuit. Yeah, we had to turn around and go home. We didn't even go hunting, did we? Yeah, I we, think went, we hunting. went hunting. Yeah, uh-huh. you cleaned yourself up, and we went on hunting. Well, I remember coming in home. And I said, "What are you doing? I don't crap myself." <laughs> Son, we could have a whole podcast on Dad's Dad's old mud butt story, son. Moving right along. Listen, we went to the, we, what was we doing? Riding motorcycles or something? Moving we were right stopped at this visitor center <laughs> over in here Carters. in Cartersville, and we were this a brick building. Dad runs in there. We're sitting outside, and we start saying, "My gosh, son, what is that smell?" And Dad comes running out of the visiting center. He said, 
come on, we got to go before they make me clean that up. <laughs> and Mama's over there looking at Dad's getting so mad. He said, look at her over there just looking at them flowers and stuff. They're going to make me clean that up. We need to go. Hey, man, that's like some stuff off the Nutty Professor right there. You so. can't make that up. You can't even make it up. So No, that's we can go on and on oh, about yeah, them. Yeah, You know, those were... Those are really good years, oh. man. Those are really good years. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, yeah, I mean those those were great. I, I ended up barely graduating high school. <sighs> um, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't, I don't know how how what how was it dealing with us well, through those years. Well, here's the thing: when you were in high school it was pretty easy because you kept kept them at bay from calling the house i don't know how you swung that at high school but you came up with lots of things um you were really good at elementary school well you weren't you were about a c student you got to middle school first year failing everything the first quarter and you had this one teacher that taught you how to read better or whatever she just fired you up and everything went School came easy, but you didn't want anything to do with honors programs or anything like that. You were you were a thing of your own. Now, Blake, on the other hand, he loved school, loved it. I mean, he loved to learn. He loved to be with the kids. You like being with kids, but you always had to have your time, downtime. Mm -hmm. This one, Blake never wanted any downtime. <laughs> he wanted to be with family and kids and every day, 24-7. Yeah, he's just like Dad. Well, when he when I did daycare Saturday, bro, Mama, where's the kids? Where's the kids? They're not here. <laughs> so we'd have you know Kyle spend the night or something. It was always something like that. But yeah, it was hard getting you through school. And now when Blake got older, when he was in high school, he started skipping school here and there. And but I didn't ever have any problem with him because he graduated with honors. He, yeah, he was straight A's, so he could. He could miss four or five days and take a test and just make a hundred. That's why he's the president. A smart yeah. man can miss a day or two. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's he why was he's the president. Got along with everybody. Um, was and and I think that's the biggest thing that I always instilled in my boys is that be who you are. Don't be a follower. Yeah. Be be unique. Who cares? And and they were both like that. They didn't. You know, they didn't have to have the greatest things or whatever i remember one time i took chad shopping for some shoes and he wanted these navy tennis shoes and i said well chad that's kind of in the girls section i don't care i want them and that's what he got so <laughs> i mean he didn't care yeah you know and blake didn't either he was always his own person and you either like him or you don't yeah and i, and I think they definitely get that from me because even in the education world i'm not your regular math teacher really well mom i want you to walk me through real quick both um I, I not i mean doesn't have to be real quick but i want you to walk me through your your fitness journey in life that was in your 30s right mm -hmm. yeah competitive uh, very competitive athlete and then also your your um journey in your professional life as far as the earning your degrees earning um what how many degrees do you have i just have a master's okay undergrad and a master's okay so walk me through the fitness journey 
where did why did that happen? Well, after I had Blake, I you know I gained a lot of weight and this, that, and the other, and our marriage was going through some rough times. So that combination, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, once, like I told you, once I make my mind up, we're done. Whatever I make my mind up on, that's what's going to happen. So I just started um, where we lived down the street. I just started. I'd run from one lamppost to the next. And two lampposts. So it started like that. And mm-hmm. one thing added to another. Started running, mastered six miles, then 12, then 13. And I said, well, I tried a triathlon one time, just a mini one, and I was hooked. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a, I never mastered the swimming, but I won quite a few of them. Mm-hmm. I got to do an Olympic distance, which was um, you would swim a mile, bike 30, and run six, 10K. So I got to doing that, and I did a couple marathons in the wintertime. Marathons weren't much of my thing. I liked the triathlons better because it changed it up. Yeah. And, it, and I liked a lot of the mountain stuff. Yeah. And we always did that. I mean, every Saturday we'd run, you know, I'd run 18 miles, and then yeah, I'd get up really early where you kids would still be sleeping. Yeah, you would. Yeah, I'd get up yeah. real early, and I'd have it done, and – We'd be ready to go. I'd take you guys hiking or playing in the woods or wherever we were going. Mm-hmm. Never missed a beat. Yeah. And that was, you know, I, I did that in it. I loved it. It's just a, it's a high that unless you run or do activities, you don't know what it feels like. It's, it's weird. Now, did that, did that kind of taper off when you decided you wanted to start college? Yeah, it, um, so then... When Daddy started having all this trouble with his back, and the doctors pretty much told us. After he wrecked the bicycle, the story that he wouldn't tell us about. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. One thing after another, things got worse. um, And they said that, you know, eventually he's not going to be able to work. They couldn't give us any time frame. So I knew I had to step it up because I was happy doing what I was doing, but um, I was going to have to make more money. Mm -hmm. So I started school, and I didn't have time anymore because I had to go to school full time work full-time, and take care of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was rough. But, I, I mean, I got my undergrad, graduated cum laude, and then about two years later got my master's and um, just loved teaching, and I was good at what I do. Yeah, you crushed you know? college, man. Yeah, and I crushed teaching, too. I, I took a lot of pride and put – I think where I did mess up the mistake that I made is I put too much time into my work. Mm-hmm. And kind of miss some time with you guys. I sometimes I feel guilty about that. Um, I, I should remember that. Well, you were busy doing your own thing, but um, so I did that, and I never dreamed I could ever master math. Was always extremely hard for me. I I didn't make good choices in high school, um, and it was very very difficult. But that was my obstacle. And then I never dreamed I could t- ever teach high school math, ever. I never, I always thought that was unattainable. Mm-hmm. And I switched it and decided to do that and got certified for that, and that's where I'm at. So got a lot of awards at school and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that, I mean, that was a huge span for you of really a lot of, a lot of achievement, a lot of pushing, breaking new ground on mm-hmm. not only your fitness journey and racing and this and that, but then transitioning into school at that age, 
with kids and and a, a family and all that. I mean, you you broke a lot of you broke you broke the mold on that one really for somebody. Yeah, especially well, in those days and in the place where we lived. Right, it was kind of a you know. Is an affluent community. We we weren't in the affluent part. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right. But you do when you when you're like that. I knew, you know, I'm I'm that type of person. I see what needs to get done, and I get it done. Mm-hmm. You know, I needed to step up, and I knew I had to. That wasn't a choice. I mean, I guess it was a choice, but it was the welfare of my children, and my boys were my life. They always will be, and that's what I had to do. And I sucked it up, put my big girl pants on, and yeah, accomplished it. Dad, how are you feeling when you did get that news about your basically your chronic? You have a a chronic debilitating back. What is is it genetic? Is it 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 was a diagnosis, but some of it's. <clears throat> Some of it's acquired, some of it's congenital. Yeah. But uh, when you got that diagnosis and you realize, well, this is this is going to basically get worse throughout my life, you realize that there was going to be a point where you potentially would not be able to potentially even walk. I mean, I know, I know that's that's they've told you that before, um, and. Mom had to step up and get that education to fill that role. I mean, were you how, how were you were you supportive? Was it hard for you to to have to kind of see her have to go through that and, and step up like that? Because I think you were all you you took a lot of pride into into being the overarching provider. You know what I mean? I think, so. I think I did. I think I did pretty good, don't you? With you going to school. I mean, well, yeah, you weren't going to complain about it. You never complained about making more money. What What were you doing <laughs> when you got that diagnosis for a living? Surveying. Yeah, I was yeah. surveying then. And what? he'd be out of work for weeks at a time. I don't ever remember that. That's oh, funny. I would go to work sometimes. and couldn't even couldn't even hardly walk, but I would still go in and work because we had to work. Yeah. You know, yeah, because we just, we we went a long span without insurance too. But yeah, we did. The old yeah. daredevil over there cost us a fortune. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was that was pretty much it. Was just you just saw it. Hey, this is what it is, and thankful that mom stepped up to the plate at least to establish that foundation in case y'all ever had to fall back on it. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was great that she did what she did. Yeah, I, mean, I continued to work, and she got her degree, and all that did was make our future a little better. Yeah. So yeah, I know there's a couple of times we we talked about it. How if I hadn't have done that, we would have been out on the street. Oh yeah, in a couple I mean, circumstances yeah. when in a couple of yeah different like when the slow economy shut down. Yeah, um, that pulled us through. Yeah, and that yeah, and especially in. The, the profession that you chose, you've had great job security. Oh, yeah. Be, and, and because you do a great job at your job, obviously. Yeah. You, you have great job security, which is, yeah, carried us when as I take a family a, through. I take a lot of pride because I really know in my heart that this is what God anointed me to do. He blessed me to be 
an encourager, someone to inspire other people, to lift other people up. That's my gift. That's my gift. And I, and I believe Blake has the same gift. Um, no, but, I have that gift. Oh. Blake doesn't. You don't have all the gifts, son. <laughs> <laughs> Blake, Blake is much more patient. Um, but, but it is, it is a gift to especially education, what it does. Um, and because I struggled so much in math, that made me a better math teacher. I can relate and have compassion on those kids that don't get it. And, you know, and, and, you know, I'll have kids that I run into, some of them, I don't remember their names or they look so much different and they'll scream across the parking lot at me and mm-hmm. and that and that makes every that means everything to me because it makes okay what I went through what I did everything was worth it mm-hmm. well I want to I want to bounce forward um to I guess I I think that I had left well I I just want to uh, it was. I think it was tough for all of us when I left the first time to go mm. into the Navy. Uh, obviously, I was gone, and I didn't know anything about what you guys were going through as a family back home that first time I left. But um, is that is that when Dad had uh, that surgery that went wrong? And no, actually, you was back home. Was I home then? Yeah, that was after that. Yeah, yeah, that's after he graduated, wasn't it? No, I think that's when he come home and he had his surgery. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So I had come home. I'm at boot camp. I had come home to have or to I had got disqualified. Obviously, come Mm -hmm. home to have heart surgery. Um. And Dad, what happened there, man? <laughs> More comedy. <laughs> um, <laughs> this was a trying time because Dad actually died on the operating table. It, it was a a piece of steak. We I just cooked some steaks okay, for all of us. What about the steak? Mom likes to note that they were very thick. Yes. I told him that it was too a, thick. It was juicy fajita meat. <laughs> it was a juicy yeah. steak. Yeah, okay. It was fajita meat. Uh-huh. <laughs> but the very first bite that I took, uh, I'd always had problems with, uh, well, not always, but for a couple of years I'd had problems. You'd, I would eat something and it would hang in my esophagus and eventually it'd go down. Well, this time I took the very first bite of the steak and it wouldn't go down. So I stood around and tried to drink water, drank water. It would come back up. And uh, you went with me to the hospital. Blake went with me to the hospital. Didn't think there was any big deal. Figured they would give me something, make it go down, or, you know, just figured it would be a real simple. Outpatient type deal. Didn't think, figured I'd be there an hour and be back. And then I remember Blake was in the hospital, and I don't remember what you needed wanted to go do. I can't remember what it was, but I, I t- think it was just getting late. Cause May have been. I dinner. told you just. Yeah. To, I told you just to go home. I said I, I'll be all right. Just going home, and uh, really, I don't remember anything from that point as far as 
doctor related mm-hmm. what they did or or whatever. I don't even remember being transferred to another hospital. Well, they were the ones who tore your esophagus, weren't they? No, they no. transferred me to Kennestone because they tried to get the the meat out of my throat and they couldn't get it out. So they sent me to Kennestone, right? Mm-hmm. And uh That's when it was torn. Yeah, and then when he removed that from my esophagus, he ripped my esophagus and then didn't realize he had ripped it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I laid there with all of my stomach contents emptying out in my system. The bile. Yeah, it was just, you know, <clears throat> got got my lungs and collapsed my lungs. And so they rushed me to. Uh, but let's back that up a little bit. So that's going on, and I keep telling the nurse. So they overdose them on painkiller. Keep giving them painkiller, and that doctor never come checked on them. So finally, he realizes something's wrong, and they can't give him the medicine to to counteract the overdose that they overdosed him on. Can't give him that because they got to do surgery. So he had a forty percent chance of living at that point. Actually, twenty is what. If you look that up, that surgery is twenty percent. Well, they gave you forty. <laughs> he was so strong. You were That's so just strong. Because uh-huh. of the strength of, yeah. Yeah. that yeah. I've got. So. <laughs> so they pretty much told me go in there. You know, he's kind of out of it, but say what you need to. Didn't he tell you to call the family up there or whatever? Well, no, he told me to go in there. So, go ahead. Well, you know more about all of that. Well, that, I was out of it, so I don't Yeah, well, that's all there was to that, and then they went into surgery, so you can tell about how you died. Well, I mean, I don't really know nothing about it other than... Did we lose you? Well, that's... That's what all y'all told me. So yes, I don't remember being there. I don't know where the world I was at. I remember mom told me twice that that, that I died. But now I don't, I don't know if I heard wrong. But I do know that it, according to them that I did die. So, mm-hmm. um, and then you know I guess it was such a rare thing. Even later on, I'd been to doctors and and they'd say, "Hey, I heard about that story. You was the guy." Or if I go to a doctor now and they find that on my medical chart, they say, man, you just don't realize how lucky you are because people don't live through that type of surgery. How we could have sued them and make lots of money. Well, that's definitely not the answer. <laughs> no. Um, we don't sue people. It we, would have helped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't sue people. Well, and, and, you know, the way I looked at that, speaking of, of suing – and uh, I'd actually even said that to your mother. I said, mm-hmm. you know, this man saved my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, his, his surgery, his, uh, I ain't going to say he did. God saved my life, but he he made. He was willing to do it. He mm-hmm. made the mistake, but he went in there and did what he was supposed to do. He, I mean, you know, a, a physician, I guess, could have did something like that. We'd never know the difference if I had died. Nobody, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You, so no, I'm I'm hundred percent. I yeah. mean, but uh, well, the reason I asked you about this story is because I think this one, I think this was a little was a maybe not a little, but this was a big reset for you in life, wasn't it? Didn't it just well, didn't it rock <laughs> you back on your heels a little bit? It was because when I did die, uh, I had a. Uh, it, I don't really know how to describe it, but because you can't describe it, 
the peace that I felt. I don't know how to say what I felt because you, I've never experienced it on earth. And basically it was like, uh, didn't see the light, didn't, wouldn't know audible stuff, but it's, if, if you ever study anybody that, that died and had an experience, it's almost everyone will say, it's like the being you're talking to, which I'm saying God, is like he reads your thoughts. You ain't got to say nothing. He knows what you're, you're communicating just by your thoughts. That's the only way I know how to describe it. Mm-hmm. And the way there were several things that went through my mind, but you know, the, the big thing was, is, is he told me, said, well, you, you know, you want to stay here? Or do you want to go back and take care of your family? Like you should and do the things that you need to do. Mm-hmm. So I come back and what was it? A nine month recovery. Yeah, it's a long time. I think it was nine months. <clears throat> but, you know, I'm getting way ahead of myself. Well, you know, I come back, got healed, and then fell away from the Lord again after something that great mm-hmm. that I experienced. I mean, how foolish could what? someone be to fall back on their – and me and you had these conversations, and we won't get into that – but how foolish is it to experience a personal encounter with the Lord and then fall back on your faith? I mean, thankfully, things are great between me and uh, my Savior now, but I fell away from the Lord after some period of time had went by after I'd healed, mm-hmm. which, you know, nine months to heal, probably one another year. So two years after this encounter, I fell away from the Lord again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always say, I think the Lord will let you get so far out and he will reel you back in no matter what. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think at that point in life, that was, that's probably what it took. And then the, the other traumatic event in our life is like, all right, buddy, I've done told you one time, you know. Yeah. You you better get it right. Yeah. And so I got it right. Yeah. So that's that's where all that goes. Yeah, you you've uh you've went through a a very uh, 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 significant process in your faith in your walk with Jesus. And, you know, it's, um, I mean, we, we've, of course, back, back, really back then, I did, I didn't, I don't, I, I had no relationship with Jesus. Um, it just, we, we are all as a family in the best place that we've ever been in. Mm-hmm. When it comes to each so. of us with our with our own personal relationships with Jesus, but boy, it's been a heck of a darn process for all of us. Mm-hmm. It's it been, really has been a rocky road. I mean, yeah, 
I think it's a good example about um, that even if you, whatever you want to call it, stray or whatever people call it, get off track, that don't ever think that it's too late. Yeah. Or that it's too far gone because well, I you, think this whole family's a living testimony of, no, it's not. Well, to think if you've been saved that you will be perfect. You know when you're straying that you're straying. I I really think, you know, and you've taught some stuff on it with the reprobate mind and stuff, but I think once you've been saved, you know when you're doing wrong. And there's there's little things God stays there'll be things that come up. You you don't get away from him. You mm-hmm. you can't outrun him. Yeah. Uh well you'll always feel the that conviction. Exactly. That you, you that you're, you're doing going, something. Now your conviction may get a little bit weaker or not as stingful. It's just like going to church. If you quit going to church that very first few weeks you'll think, Man, I should have went to church today. I should I should have just got up and went on no matter what. Well, after you do that for six or eight weeks, not going to church is that big a deal because you've done got a custom knot, but you still know, hey, I probably should be there. You hope you still you, know. Yeah, if you ever yeah. don't still know, you, you, there's yeah. no coming back. But it, but the conviction strength, I think you you know once you start veering off, you you can go a long ways, and mm-hmm. I think that. He will get you, whether it be death, whether it be near death, mm-hmm. whether it be marriage come to an end, a loss of a family member. I think he will get your attention no mm-hmm. matter what. Because so, that's most important to him above any comfort that we have. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So looking back on the the process that you've endured in your personal journey, your personal um, process with Jesus, what would you say, what advice would you give to your brothers and sisters that may be seeing little things in their lives where maybe they're, they're, they're veering off of that path that was meant for them? I think they, you know, you need to get, you need to get in the word, get around Christian people, whatever you need to do to get him back in your life before you end up with some kind of tragic event because it will happen. It will happen. And mm-hmm. I think that before you get too far, I think if you're in that situation, you know, you need to get in the word, go to a church, find a buddy that knows the Lord, whatever, listen to three or seven. But I mean, seriously, you got, you just, I, I really feel ashamed and guilty for some of the things and some of the lifestyle and things I've done when I did fall away from the Lord. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. I, I know it's been forgiven and I know things are, are good, but that stuff is still in your mind may not be in your heart. So before you let yourself get that way, 
you know, get in the word, get, get things back, get back on track. Yeah. Yeah. Would, yeah. I agree, man. And, and I, you know, I, I get that, man, because I, you know, I, I, for me personally, you know, all of us, as we, as we walk through this life and we make mistakes, we screw stuff up, we, we, we do the wrong thing right there. I, I think there is some, some guilt or, or whatever that lingers, right? But, um, but I would just like to tell anybody and everybody who's listening to this, if you are dealing with that guilt and shame about anything that you have done, the blood of Christ is sufficient to cover that. Oh, yeah, it's covered. The, the blood of Christ is sufficient to cover that. And actually, once you come to the place, if you can, and even I, I work through some stuff even in my own. I have stories that I don't tell, right? Because I, I haven't worked through them yet in, in my own head, right? But once you come to the place where you realize that's covered, man, I'm actually I'm actually so pure because of the blood of Christ that I'm whiter than than any than a fresh snow. I'm whiter than snow. I'm covered completely. And then hopefully you can take some of those things that you did wrong and use those things and those stories and those experiences in the right setting to help men or women or brothers and sisters that are going through what you had to go through in order to prevent them from maybe having to experience the depth of what you had to experience. Amen. It's just hard to, it's a process even for me. I'm still processing my time in the SEAL teams. It's a process even for me to share some of that stuff, you know. But, boy, that's where the value's at, son. Well, it goes back to the such a simple topic and idea that we nuke it. You know, yeah. I mean the 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 whole. It's like a works. It's not a works based salvation. It doesn't matter exactly. how good or bad you do. His blood covers you, and it doesn't matter. And it doesn't. We, and, yeah. and it's hard for us to comprehend that because we tend to love people based on the things they do to us. Yeah, and yeah. not just love them purely, unconditionally. It's easy to to love your your close, you know, your family, your kids that mm-hmm. way, but someone else who just blatantly wrongs you—that's how we love them. Mm-hmm. That's that's the temptation, not how we should, but that's the temptation too. So I think you know it's hard to view. It's a divine love. It's a supernatural love. A supernatural principle. So it's hard for us to comprehend. But you, this, this goes back to trusting what the Bible says and trusting the principles in the Bible. We will never comprehend it. You just have to know that it's written in there and it's truth, and you have to accept it. Mm-hmm. You do. I mean, all that is of the flesh. I mean, I know when, I, when I'm ashamed of this and that, I mean, that's just the human side. It has no effect on my walk mm-hmm. with God. It's just... The little thing in your head that's saying, "Hey, you know, yeah, you yeah. you shouldn't you shouldn't have done that stuff. You why why you know, and that and, plays into that plays into Satan. I mean, that's his. Yeah, because there's a, a that, yeah because there's a lot of people that could benefit from every aspect of your testimony. Oh, from, yeah. from your high to your lowest fall, right? 
there's somebody out there that's going to benefit from especially those times when you fall really low. And that that's the message that the enemy doesn't want getting out, yeah, right? That's so right. he that's the reason he keeps attaching that shame to it. That's like, right. That's well, that part of that you say that you keep hearing like and, and man, when you look at it that way, you think you think, dang, I should say, screw you, Satan. Exactly. I'm gonna go out and use this fall to help somebody else so that they don't have to go where I went. Well, that's the you know perfect what I mean? example of, of letting your feeling serve you. When you f- have that feeling of shame, then that should be a cue that you need to lean on your principles and let them lead mm-hmm. you. So you feel that shame when you say, oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. That's something that I need to go share. I'm probably not going to want to, but that feeling shows me it's shame, and I know when I feel that way, that's something that can help someone else. Yeah, well, It's just like one of y'all's guests, and, I ain't going to say his name. You know, he called me and was dealing with some issues, and he said this freed him. Mm-hmm. Coming on the podcast, it, it freed him. Yeah. So now he's going out and talking about his issues. Yeah. So he's doing – he's not listening to that voice. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's not letting that voice control him mm-hmm. not to go out and give his testimony. And and by talking about it on here is what freed him to, to start mm-hmm. doing that. So it's basically yeah. the best way to kick Satan in the face. Yeah. Is uh is bring up is bring up Well his it, future. It, well <laughs> bring up the the things that you did wrong that he doesn't want you to bring up. As you delve into this and you break this topic down, it's very interesting. I think it's a very uh, valuable concept for people to consider. Um, when they when they're when they're when they're sharing their testimony, I think it's a it's a very valuable aspect of it to consider, because I've never really sat and broke it down this way. You well, know what I mean? That's what you did on Resurrected on Sunday, and look, I mean, I think that helped a lot of people. Look at the the comments went crazy; everybody loved it. And all you did was talk about how your week went, where you failed, and what you did about it. Yeah, that's you a know? good point. That's a good point. Well, you know, one of the things I want to share is I went through something very traumatic that I deal with every day still. But that James Cordell, he's the one that he made a simple statement that brought me lowest I've ever felt in my entire life. And he said, well, you know what? When Christ sees you, he sees righteousness. And I just looked at him like, that's impossible. That's not possible. That, I don't know what you're talking about. And he just looked at me and repeated it. And ever since then, when I deal with that, that's what I say to myself. No, because that's not what he sees. Here's what he sees. Well, he's once you're forgiven, he... Yeah, it's almost like he don't even know what you're talking about when, right. you, when you're if you bring it up to to the Lord. It's like I already forgave you for that. That's right. gone. Why are you, right. are you still bringing this up? Right, yeah. and that that's a part of me and and how I grew up. You know, what's the flesh? It's everybody. You well, it's never good that. enough. It's I don't care what you do. It's never enough. It's never good enough. Blah blah blah. But um, for anyone out there that suffers from that, always remember when God sees you, He sees righteousness. That's all He sees. Mm-hmm.
Now, now, mom, what is your testimony? Because I know when we were when we were very young, you were very close to God. Yeah, uh, you were very close to Jesus. Very, uh, I mean, extremely close to Jesus. From what I, you know, in those young mm-hmm. years, uh, you know, I don't know how old we were, but, um, you know, and, and so. What led you to that place well, where you got where you got really close to the Lord and, and then what is your what is your testimony? What do you want to share about your testimony? Well, I'll have to say, you know, James, when I started dating him, they went to a Pentecostal church and you think I've never really been to any church at all. So I knew nothing. Church building. Yeah. Church building. Well, but I didn't know of any kind of Christ of anything, so when I was saved at 17, I mean, it was just like, I can't even explain, like most unbelievable feeling in the whole wide world. And just, I just, that just a big fire. And when you guys were little, I could go to church. We went on Sundays. We went on Sunday night. We went on Wednesday. We, you know, I. And dad, you weren't going at this time. Not at that no. time, yeah. no. But I think the biggest thing is that I led by example. It's not a necessary of going to church. It's the point that you boys did volunteer work at a soup kitchen once a month. You were young. You probably don't remember it. Um, you did. You saw me time and time again pay it forward yeah. for people way back then yeah. before it was even a thing. Um, you saw me help strangers. You saw me be kind. Um, I wasn't perfect, but like you said, there was no drinking in the house. That's a thing that Phyllis and I made a pact with each other. Our children would never see that. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was no cussing. There was... Um, never. Like, never. No, well, a couple times maybe when you got a little older. Not until I did that burnout in your truck out <laughs> oh, on the road. Oh, let's not talk about it, that. Oh, it, my gosh. It, and by the way, I, I do I do want to say real quick, <laughs> I, I, I don't mean to... I don't want the listeners to get confused about this part of our conversation. We're not putting an emphasis on going to church at no. all. Like y- y'all, y'all know where I stand on that. That the we we are the church as a combined body of Christ. Well, right? that's what I was saying. The main so, thing is leading by example. Yeah. Is what we did. Yeah. Um, you saw it in action. I didn't tell you do this and this and this. You saw it over and over and over again. So I think that's the biggest takeaway is that as parents of young kids don't tell them this that, and the other mm-hmm. show them mm-hmm. by actions show them what unconditional love is when they have a dream support them encourage them lift them up don't beat them down mm-hmm. don't ever tell your kid you can't do this you can't do that don't ever say that i mean i'm not talking about inabilities not just don't tell no, them if they want to if, if they want to be present don't tell them well you can't do that now, as you as you kind of progressed through your your life and got into your whatever late thirties or whatever, mm-hmm. and you got busy with college with yeah. all this stuff, did you did did you kind of uh, did that relationship with Christ kind of wane because of because life got busy or Yes, I think it did. Um, it did get busy. It was hard to do all that at one time because I was still. You know, did all the cooking, all the cleaning, everything. So it was hard to maintain that relationship. Yeah. yeah. And and I don't use that excuse. That was just laziness on my part. Yeah. You know, the relationship was still there. It just wasn't as strong as it, what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I devoted every waking minute to praying and and all those things. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's whatever you feed the most that's going to prosper the most. Mm-hmm. So, but I, and and I think people need to know that. Okay, there are some people that grow up in a Christian home or whatever, and I don't know of any people, but maybe they never stray. But in the real world, majority of people, please understand, don't ever forget that, that you may walk away, like James was even saying, but don't get to the brink of death in your in your soul before you come back. Always mm-hmm. keep that. And that, and you're right, it doesn't mean that you go to church or this, that, the other. It means... Your actions, I know I keep saying that, but that's so strong. Even the kids at school see me. Mm-hmm. They see my actions. They see that I don't care if your mama or daddy is on the board or whatever. If if you skip my class, I'm writing you up just as much as I am a kid that is not, you know, is considered something else, a lower than life. It doesn't matter to me. I love them all. Well, we call that living by a standard, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I think actions. Yeah, I think I think your your uh, I think a lot uh, your actions say a lot about can say a lot about where you are in your relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I like I really like what you said. It's what you feed the most, and that's why we even at Three or Seven Project we talk about being very intentional about that time that you spend in order to master nourish and maintain your spirit which is what you talked about you were doing when you were the closest mm-hmm. in your companionship with Jesus you were spending a lot of time in the word you were spending a lot of time in prayer you were spending a lot of time working on your body you were spending a lot of time working on your uh, emotional mental strength mm-hmm. right and that's when you were man you were tight and then life got busy. You stopped intentionally putting effort into that relationship with Jesus, which it, it's the same thing in human relationships. It's the exact same thing happens. And then what brought you back into that into that close relationship with Jesus? Well, and, and backing up, it wasn't just the business. It was... You know the um, some complicated times, you know, and I guess, and there again, I guess that's probably an excuse too. But I guess it just got trials got too hard, maybe. Yeah. But then just like I said, my going to the lowest I've ever been. Yeah. That I mean, it's sad, but that's yes, that's what brought me back. That's what brought you back. Mm-hmm. So you feel a lot like like Dad feels in the right. way he portrayed it that. No right. matter what, once you once you are once you are brought into this the sonship or the daughtership mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ, that he's gonna he's gonna do something right to get your attention. And and I cling to the fact that even though I know heavenly father and worldly fathers are different, but how much there's nothing either one of you could ever do where I would stop loving you. And how God's love for us is is unimaginable so that's something else i cling to that how much i love you too that there's nothing you could do i i can't there's nothing mm-hmm. nothing mm-hmm. that would ever make me stop loving you yeah yeah man you guys you guys have been through so much 
And of course, Blake and I, we don't know the fullness of what you've been through because we were, we were children half the journey that you guys right. have taken in life. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're glad that you, we're, 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 we're thankful, we're joyed, we're glad that you guys are where you are now and you are the people that you are, that you have become because now you guys, we have, like I say, we're in the best place as a, as a family mm-hmm. that we've ever been in, I think, in my opinion. Um, I missed a lot of that, though, man. I missed a lot of time with you guys. Yeah. I missed a whole lot of time with you guys. Yeah, and that's hard when you kids move away. I know it took us, what, a year to adjust to Chad? And then Blake here, he moves out and moves Ten minutes up the road, I crying like a baby. He comes in the house, Mama, are you crying? Leave me alone. I'm just a squawk. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a you know but like family's a, important. Yeah. It's, it's I think that's one thing we've always knew is how important family is. Yep. It's it is really outside of the Lord is in my opinion, the most important thing that you, you've got, mm-hmm. because when all else fails in life, when everything else lets you down, that's all you've got. If if you're fortunate enough to have that family yeah. and have that relationship, so if you do cherish it, if you don't have that, then you know, man, strive to try to repair your family relationship to where. Uh, you you can have that relationship because it's very important. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it it doesn't even have to be. I mean, obviously your blood family. It's, oh, it's yeah, the don't. easiest one, but but there's plenty of people outside of that mm-hmm. that can you be just, your family. You've got to yeah. have it. You've got to yeah. have you've got to have the communication and somebody you love and and uh, it's, it just it's the way God designed us. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that is something I'm really passionate about. I remember wanting to go into the military for a brief period of time, and I just Ugh. ended up saying no, that I, I just wanted to stay with my family, and I was eager to start my own family even. Um, that was from my prayers, by the way. <laughs> but you were always like that. You were you were always family-oriented. I mean, it yeah, I think I don't I've know, wanted kids since I was a kid, probably. Yeah. You loved babies when you were Josie's age. Mm-hmm. You loved them. I mean, you wanted to feed the babies, play with the babies, everything. Yep. What the world happened to me? You're just different, Chad. That's okay. Joker still don't you're, want no you're, kids. You're a little more selfish like your dad. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well... What are you guys looking forward to most about the years that we all have left together? What, what, whether it's your mission, what are you looking forward to? Spending. What are you striving to be, to become, to do, to achieve, whatever? Spending time. And y'all hear me say it all the time. We have Sunday dinners at my house, and I always tell the boys and the wives because I know how precious time is. I've been your age before, believe it or not, and life is so busy, but they take the time 
to come and spend time with me. And that's, I always want y'all to know how much I appreciate that. We take the time most of the time. Well, when you can, <laughs> you take the time when you can. And well, I we do. That. We try to get together every, every Sunday as a family. And that, and that is so important to me. Yeah. So important. And you know, that's, that's the greatest thing that James and I both agree with is being a grandparent. You can finally make up for all the crap you screwed up with your kids. You know, that was always my strive. And I told my kids when they were little, I'm going to be the best granny in the whole wide world. And that's what I strive to do, to be, to be the best that he wants me to do and to be doing what Christ wants me to do. Well, and, and two, what about your, um, your business mom and the things that you're creating and you, I think you've had a very entrepreneurial spirit yeah. really since you started working. Yeah. So, um, tell us a little bit about that and how that works into your passion. Well, I like, um, I like making baby quilts and all kind of baby bibs and things like that and, and sell them. And then, I mean, it's, it's just a creative thing. It's enjoyable. It's relaxing to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so when I work and deal with high school kids all day long and come home and I, I've always got to be doing something productive. I can't sit and do nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm not very good at that. I can't even watch a whole movie. So I like to be productive. So that's kind of what I found my hobby and it's turned into a business and it's doing pretty well. And I give back to the community by donating. I'll create quilts for um, NICU babies or veterans or, or cancer patients. Um, here a while back, I did for I chose four law enforcement families mm-hmm. um, that were new parents and created a quilt for them for each of them. So it's a, something that I can enjoy doing and giving back. And a lot of your products are actually very unique. Oh yeah, I they're mean, all you, unique. Yeah, and you, these are all handmade, handmade from, from scratch, and yep. you you actually have designed certain products to work. Like, like you could, some of the stuff you've made, you could probably get a patent on it. Yeah, I so could. So you're being very creative with, with this new passion of yours, and it's really cool to see you falling into that and yeah. making it something that you enjoy doing and you see a profit off of it, and yeah. you, you you use it as a tool to give back to other people, mm-hmm. and and um, I don't know, it's, it's really cool. Um, and if you guys want to get some... If you guys want to order something from mom, I'm sure. She, how far out are you booked on your stuff? It take about two weeks. So she's about two weeks out. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to order something, I'll attach a link to mom's um, Etsy shop. Etsy shop, and mm-hmm. then also her social media in the show notes of this episode. She does make some really amazing stuff. Yeah, and I can hand so. create anything, and they all they're all unique. Yeah, they're all handmade. So, and that's the thing on some of the things that I create. I've thought back and forth, you know, I want my company to grow, but I don't want it to get too big where it's not hand created anymore. Yeah. Cause then it'll take the value out of it. Yep. So what about you, dad? I'm just chilling, brother. Just chilling. I'm just chilling. You got to have something stirring in the head, son. I just take it day by day. Well, I mean, well, he just said during our break, that now he's wanting to buy a new hot rod car like he had oh back gosh. when he was an outlaw. Yeah, if, if we can go ahead and he's prophesy not, me getting a hot rod. He's not making that kind of money anymore. <laughs> I 
I just want a closer walk with the Lord, and that's what I strive for daily. And uh, some things that probably I need to get get busy on doing work for the Lord, and that that's really my whole. It's my focus. So that's what I strive for. Mm-hmm. What are those things that you need to get busy on? Easy. <laughs> You don't know or you don't want to tell us? <laughs> we'll talk later. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I feel like just it, obviously we, we get to have conversations not on the podcast all the time. And I feel like you, um, uh, maybe maybe Jesus is leaning on you to uh, – uh, to to be in, involved in some way, shape, or form in uh, in some sort of ministry, in some sort of uh, some sort of thing or, or way where you can take who you are and the things that you've come through in order to help other people, yes. right? Bring other people uh, in into the body of Christ, and and uh, you've got a lot to share, man. You really do, and you know it's uh. You got you got time. I mean, it, oh, yeah. it's, uh, I'm just. I, I feel like he's just started leaning on you about that stuff, though. You know, here yeah. here recently. So, um, I'm 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 watching you. I'm interested to see where you go with it, or what you know what what you end up doing with it. And then I, I know both of you guys also being grandparents is a huge part of your life. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, that's this. That's everything. It's what we look forward to. That's what we every, live for every week is getting the grandkids. That's you think we could have got them up here for the podcast if the kids didn't live here. <laughs> you notice well, we came early, but it but I, it's the greatest thing when you when you show up and these little people just light up. I I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You just can't. I mean, I think you I know think, what it's like. I think it. Oh yeah, it doesn't matter how your day is going. They, they yeah. will brighten. They will brighten your day. I do want to ask you a, a serious question, and I want—I want an honest opinion on this. Is—I know, mom, you said that is what we live for, and I understand that. Like they—that is the most important thing in your world. But is it healthy for that to be what you live for? For other grandparents out there, is that—is do you think that's okay? I mean, well, I don't mean it in the literal sense. That's the only thing I live for. Yeah, it means it in out of this world, out of the things in this world that brings us the most joy. That's the number one. Yeah, okay. out of the the things of this world. Yeah, the you know you live for Christ. Mm-hmm. You live to achieve what He has you, what He has, He you live to achieve what He's created you to do. Yeah, that's what you live for. Yeah, but yeah, I'm just I'm talking about the in the in the world of itself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, just like, I mean, they bring so much joy, but just the stuff that you taught Blakely, like her prayer. And I mean, they, Mm -hmm. they bring so much joy into watch, you know, they could come over next week and have, Joe could could have learned some new words, mm-hmm. or Blakely may uh-huh. have 
learned a new Bible verse or, I mean, it's just so neat to watch. We can stand back and watch them grow now to when you have kids, you can't, you, or you don't pay as much attention. Well, you don't have as much time. You don't to see just simple, little simple things. I think that we get to see because we're not living with y'all every day. Mm -hmm. So you, you, we could, but. (laughs) <laughs> it uh, it brings a lot of joy so it's yeah. it's phenomenal well, it, and plus the fact to see that you know like i told you i deal with a lot of guilt on mine that's just a personal issue i have i i beat myself up all the time and to see to see blake do what he's doing and even see you as an uncle interacting on but i say okay i did something right mm-hmm. i try to chalk up some of the things that i did that were the right things mm-hmm Instead of letting Satan have the control and you did this wrong, you did this. And I'll, and I guarantee you, I remember vividly the things that I did wrong. Yeah. What's up, B? I think you need to quit letting that hold you back so much. I know. You talk about that all the time. I know I do. It, it helps me. You know, I know I talk about it, but it helps me to realize it's there. Yeah. Because when I realize it's there, I'll, I'll, and pretty much, I'll tell Satan, you have no power here. You're gone. Put it under and the it, blood. Ain't that what yeah. Chad said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, gone. that's what I do. Tell him, leave. Mm-hmm. Of course, well, then Blake likes to um, remind me of some of the things I did wrong. He's a picker, ain't he? Yeah, he's a picker. Yeah, right. he is. You didn't, you didn't announce to everybody that I can do comic relief for oh you. Oh, my Lord. If that Dad, may be my calling. If Dad started a dang podcast, just a spinoff, Com uh comedy Weird Al yeah thing. yeah thing uh, it would it literally he would have millions of downloads <laughs> like within the first year. But oh, I just uh, shake my head. Chad is Chad is real good to to poke fun at. <laughs> He's pretty easy, ain't he? Yeah. <laughs> He don't make it too hard. You ought to see Blake making fun of me in here. He actually posted on Instagram today a in video here, of me talking. Me in here trying to figure out how to send an invoice on QuickBooks. You should. He was short circuited. I thought he was going to bust a blood vessel well, last I missed night that. on, on he, Resurrect. <laughs> he was all red and the veins sticking up in his head. Hey, ain't them calls fun though? Oh, I love them. They, they're really good. I, I enjoy them. I, I am enjoying it too, and. I'm glad y'all are a part of it, man. Um, and you got an awesome, awesome group of people too. Yeah. I really oh, enjoy. Unbelievable. It'd be really neat if we could ever get to where, like, everybody meet together somewhere. Oh no, we're gonna do that. We're yeah. we're, we're gonna rent a, uh, uh, some sort of um, whether it's at Camp Highlands or or we're gonna rent some sort of something where we can just have a a weekend where we can just all come together. Well, I'll tell those people right now, you're gonna have some good Southern cooking. Exactly what you're gonna have. So get ready. Oh, you. Oh, you gonna, gonna let Dad smoke some barbecue? Oh, yeah. We can have that, but we can have some other stuff too. <laughs> some real Southern food that you probably never had before. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that'll be fun. No, that that's been on my heart to do that. Yeah. Actually, to get everybody together. And, That'd be awesome. Um, but it's good to bring a group of people from just all over the. I don't. Maybe the world. I don't know. United States. Whatever. But, yeah. But. Uh, to be able to have everybody there instant and communicating because I look at the text. And so, man, you're just, you're gaining friendship 
I mean, there so many number of things yeah comes out of that i'll awesome tell you what group. i'm thankful i'm so thankful for it man that is to me that's the the best example of the church that i've yes. probably seen in my life mm-hmm. just how everyone has came together now they know each other they're talking to each other we're not facilitating their conversation outside of that they're doing all that on their own they're having calls amongst themselves they're helping each other out in different ways and to me that's the purest form of what the body of christ is yeah well and i you know i don't really say anything on those or anything but that that's my gift to help so if they ever need anything how about some good southern cooking yeah we can do that too well guys um is there anything else that's on your heart that you wanted to to say or share or anything like that I know mom made a bunch of notes. I know, so on I made here. some notes. Maybe she knew what was going to be talked about. You I know what? Sure. What do y'all? Uh, what do y'all remember? I ain't gonna say the worst thing y'all remember about us, but <sighs> what is the best? What sticks out in y'all's mind to either individual or together as a parent? What seems to be foremost in your mind of y'all's childhood about us when you crapped yourself (laughs) (laughs) no i you know i I think for me as i as i really look back and break down um the way that that you guys brought us up uh i haven't haven't really thought back a lot of times at the opportunities that you guys gave us to develop work ethic um and we talked about that earlier in the podcast and you know, I, I just uh, you know, it, it's easy to look back on your on on your childhood and say, well, well there was re- really I, I thought everybody had an opportunity to to develop a work ethic like that. But when you go in and you break it down and you say, no, my parents and my grandparents were actually get doing this on purpose. They were giving me the opportunity to work because they knew it would pay off later on in life, and um. You know, having having built that, I I have to say that those foundational things are what has have allowed me to achieve everything that I've achieved in life. Um, obviously, I've had to make dis- make certain decisions and have the courage to go. Um, so that that's a wonderful thing. Uh, I think that it it's for me. It's I'm really thankful that we don't have to deal with trauma from our childhood, that we were never abused, we were never sexually abused, we were never left alone, we were never abandoned. We don't have to deal with any of that. I mean, that's a huge that's a huge load that we don't have to carry, that millions of people have to carry, right? We don't have to carry that load. And I'm very, very thankful for that. And I know that took work to, to keep us, um, to protect us, from things that would harm us, and you guys always did that. Very, you were very cautious about who we went around, who, 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 who. Yeah. You know, the the whole nine yards. Um, I'd say specifically with Dad, uh, I'm very thankful for when you encouraged me to have the heart surgery to go through with my heart surgery that I had, and. Um, you know, I, I I've told that story on all, all all over the world. I mean, millions of people have heard that story 
of when dad and I and mom, you were in the car. Mm-hmm. We were riding to, to the hospital to have the surgery. And I just, I remember, the, the way I remember it was I just asked dad, do you really think I should go through this? And he just said, son, if you want to be a SEAL, you have to do this. You don't have a choice, which is very uncharacteristic for dad because dad doesn't like to get serious a lot. But in that moment, he got serious and he said, no, son, you don't have a choice. You, you have to do this. And I'm sure he didn't want me to go and have that surgery. Uh, he, he wanted me to hang out. And rightfully so. He wanted me to be a part of the family. I mean, I left the family for over a decade. Mm-hmm. Just left y'all. I barely talked to y'all. Um, and he was he he put his own wants and needs aside. He saw that I had something that I wanted to achieve. He saw the mountain that I was going to have to summit and and overcome in order to get that. And he encouraged me to go that way. And I mean, that's a I'll tell that story till the day I die. You know what I mean? Because when that comes, when when that type of encouragement comes from your father, it's it's uh it's very impactful. You know what I mean? Yep. Um. So, you know, a specific memory that that's one for me. Um. For mom, I I, I really really appreciate. Again, she explained to you guys a lot about her example right she 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 always upholds the standard and i really appreciate the example that she gave us when we were young and very impressionable and spending most of our time with her Mm -hmm. so her providing the example in all aspects body soul and spirit right a a elite athlete triathlete okay um striving to to graduate college and go to school and do something that was hard, sacrificing all of her time so that she could lay a good foundation for us as a family in the future if dad experienced a time when he wasn't able to to be the to be a provider mm-hmm. or a contributor monetarily to the family. And you know you just really laid a solid example for us of uh, not just what a strong woman should look like, but a strong human being, you know, in all aspects, body, soul, and spirit, at an age where we were very, very impressionable, right? Yeah. Um, and then I would say for both of you guys, one of the things that I'm most thankful for is you guys truly give us unconditional love. So you guys see everything that we screw up. You know every little part of our history, of our past, of our triumphs, of our failures, of our successes, everything. And I mean, I truly believe that no matter what I do from this point forward, that I can rely on the fact that you guys will always still love me and support me. Now, there's a lot of human beings out there that don't have people in their lives that they can feel that way about. Yeah. So it's it's a comforting thing, although I think it's, it's a thing that I easily take for granted 
a lot of times. But it's a comforting thing to know that there are uh, three, if not more, mm-hmm. people in my life that no matter what I did, they will unconditionally love me. They will help pick me back up and get me back on track. You know, that's a wonderful thing to be able to have that uh, because a lot of people don't have it. Yeah. Well, that helps you in your relationship with Jesus too, because if you don't have that modeled, how what what can you relate it to? You don't have anything that's comparable. So if you're thinking about unconditional love, I'm saying that by them doing that, not only gives you that sense of comfort that everything's fine with them, but probably subconsciously you don't realize it. It is actually boosting and promoting your relationship mm-hmm. with God because now you can to some degree comprehend what that means and in, yeah. in your relationship yeah, that's it, true. if you didn't have it you would have no means of of anything to yeah. compare it to yeah. so and so of course there's there's you know hundreds of memories that I'm thankful for with you guys but those are I, I think some some with dad that specific memory was a, a very a critical time in my life uh, that propelled me in the right direction, and then for mom, it was a that that solid foundation um, w- during those very impressionable mm-hmm. years. So those were the those are the two that if I had to pick, uh, you shotgun me with that question. If I have to pick right now, those were the two that I would I would fall back on. I would say for me, just the the overarching example that you set in the the time spent with us you you know chad talked about we spent a lot of time with you when we were younger but then as we got older we spent a lot of time with dad you know and anything like i can't recall any lesson that i've learned like you said mom where i told you hey this is what you need to do and it stuck out to me and i said all right well that's a lesson that i'm gonna hang on to but it's it's where you lived it over and over again, and even when you weren't learning a lesson, the time that was spent was like gaining, you know, you're gaining um, influence with you, you know, like just the little things like riding four wheelers, or I remember when you used to go run, you'd bring back them little helicopter. I don't even know what they are. There's some kind of seed little leaves, and we'd get up on the porch and drop them off of there. Like and there's no lesson learned in that. But it's just the time that you spent builds that bond and builds that respect and influence so that I, I, I have thought about parenting as overwhelming. Like, how can you get it right? But to me, if I simplify it down, if you focus on yourself, it would seem selfish. But it's not. You want to be the best you can so that you can live it out to your kids. Mm-hmm. And that makes it all easy. You don't have to tell them anything just live it out in front of them. And then like you guys did, spend that time, that intimate time with them to gain an end with them. You know, because if you were living 100%, but you weren't spending any time with them, it doesn't matter. Mm-mm. So as I look back on it as an overarching thing, that's what I'm most thankful for, that you lived it out, that you did. I mean, both of you swayed back and forth. I sway back and forth with my kids. It I mean, there's plenty of things I could do better, but you always kind of come back to center every time. And I just appreciate the intention. Yeah, and and the intentionality behind everything that you did. Like, there was a reason you didn't have any alcohol in the house. There's a reason you didn't argue or 
have big fights in front of us. You know, there was reasons behind the the things you did, why you did them. Um, as far as specific examples, I'd have to think for a while on that. I got too many. Uh, How about where I shot that deer out from under you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> you remember that? Oh, yeah. I was done halfway down the ladder. Not only shot a deer out from under us, he shot a dang turkey out from under us one time. Well, you was messing around, dude. I remember that pretty well. You was trying to put the old Rambo slip on him, and Dad said, Come on, son, we got to, we're we just going to shoot this turkey. He <laughs> just popped up and shot it. <laughs> that was on my grandmother's. Yes, son. It was the day of my grandmother's funeral. Yep. That we went turkey hunting. That 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 was that morning. I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> sure was. That's why I guess I can accredit all my desire for turkey hunting to his dad. I, and I was probably the best. I told you until I retired. Shoot it out from under. <laughs> now the deer was Blake couldn't find the deer, and I I wasn't about to let that deer get going. Oh, you missed it. Remember you well, shot got that his, pine limb, and then we was about to leave, and he come out on the other side of the field. And I got him, yep. though. Yeah. Like you missed that armadillo. Can I tell one little small thing since we're playing around? Yeah. You remember when uh, you and someone else went turkey hunting, and it was the other person's first turkey hunt? Me and Brian, wasn't it? Yeah. You remember when we... <laughs> Y'all shot them crows that was eating no, on No, they a, were buzzards. Or buzzards. Yeah. You yeah. thought they was turkeys, and they was eating on a deer. Wasn't it a deer or something that we had shot? Yeah, something dead in the in the field. <laughs> we, we spent like three hours low-crawling on our bellies up to the edge of this field and shot these birds, and they were buzzards. We thought they were turkeys. You, I should probably shouldn't say this because you, it's illegal to kill a buzzard. Well, but you was, didn't know it was an accident. <laughs> you did. It really. It was a turkey buzzard. Yeah, yeah. Oh. That really happened. Um, I, I want to ask y'all too. Uh, just uh, to to kind of wrap it all up. Something recently that's happened in both of your lives. You've both experienced the loss of your fathers very recently. Um how uh, what 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 do you what can you tell us about that process because if we're if we're all blessed enough to live long enough we're all gonna lose our father so could you share something with us yeah, a, about that well i'd say um losing my father and it wasn't due to covid it was old age both, um, yeah both our grand your fathers yeah, yeah. but um that they died of old age. They got to live out a long life. And the number one thing I could say is be sure you spend time with them before it's too late. So, you know, tell them anything you want to because you never know. Yeah. But that, you know, there's no easy way around it. It's just it that was easier for me in dying of old age than of, you know, younger, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because he was very sick anyways, suffered a bunch. Yeah. Oh, mine was, you sort of sum it up. You, you you said that his funeral, you preached his funeral, you and Blake both. And I don't know if Blake made the comment too, but you said it was, it was easy to preach because you knew where he went. Mm -hmm. So that, to me, you know, I was there with him when he died and you know, when he passed away that very moment, I just had a peace. So, you know, it's hard when somebody goes, you know, he, 
he lived all his life with polio and he always used to say is well when i go to heaven i'll have two good sets of legs so a long story short it was uh you know you're gonna miss your parents but it, it is so nice to know that he is in paradise with his heavenly father uh I, i'm at peace with it yeah not that you don't miss or or whatever but it's uh, i'm cool with it he's up there enjoying himself while we're stuck down here in this this world yeah yeah so it is good to <laughs> yeah that does make it much easier yeah. when uh when a when a uh a loved one passes to know that well well to have confidence that we all have eternal life mm-hmm. uh, all of us that have accepted the free gift of salvation mm-hmm. doesn't cost you anything works don't get it right nope doesn't cost you anything that free gift of salvation now you want to have a grand reward in heaven go ahead and do a little work that's going oh yeah get that's, the that's biblical that's you biblical lay up, you lay you up the a, if you have a true relationship that won't be hard yeah 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 we talked about it last night on mm-hmm. resurrected uh right. Faith without work. So there are some expectations for some works as a portrayal of your faith. But your works do not earn your salvation. Mm -hmm. So that salvation is the most important part. Because if you you are in, in the presence of Jesus Christ for the rest of eternity and you're living under a lean-to, you're going to be much happier than you ever were on earth. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm well, I'm not going to get off on a tangent, but just as much what you're talking about, the faith and the works, you know, if you've had the faith and you're living it, those Work works easy. do come. A lot of times, you know, we all get called up and we all need to be doing stuff for the Lord. Like we talked about, but just your actions is works that you don't even see every day. You, whether it be something kind you do to someone oh yeah that show you yeah. know that that is works yeah. you may not know it consciously it's not faith without results is that it's faith without works works standard that's yeah. right Th- those works are I starting to, to become much easier to identify even those simple works though as as society degrades those simple acts of kindness are mm-hmm. stand out much more right yeah they sure do so um you know there's all we all got a mutual friend and we've said it way back even when none of us was living right by just being in his presence you knew he was a child of god robbie that'd be robbie hall that's robbie hall yeah Uh yeah i mean you know and he's he was always a blessing to me even when i was a sinner i mean it's just the way he lived his life yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so but anyhow that's another story, but we we could talk forever on stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was great, man. This yeah. is what this is this is uh this is one for the ages right here and one that I, I just love it that we sit down and we take time to do this because this is something that um I don't really care who listens to this conversation. I think it's amazing to have it for Blakely and JoJo to yeah, listen exactly. to uh, 
you know, 20, 30 years from now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because as long as we preserve this file, this audio file, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. So it's it's a really cool opportunity um, to be able to sit down and be intentional intentional about this time and just talking through our lives and our our individual journeys and and um, well, there's things I learned in this conversation I didn't mm-hmm. know and learned them in 29 years. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the right the right family doesn't sit down and have long emotional talks a lot no. of times. We generally just like to cut up and have fun. Crap our pants. <laughs> they like to make fun. Y'all just like to make fun of me. Oh yeah. Yeah, we we well you give it right back, son. <laughs> they make you, fun of both of us you, when we're not here, John. You give it right back to us. <laughs> oh, so thank you guys so much for taking the time out of out of your day today to come and do this. Um, thank you guys for being who you are. Um, for just like Blake said earlier, always, always showing up, always coming back to center, always supporting us. Um, and always literally, there's not a doubt in my mind that you would give us your very last possession. Yep. Um, even up to and including the cost of your life. We sure would. To, uh, to to preserve ours. Yeah. So it's very, very special and I'm thankful for that. We're proud of y'all. Blake, you got anything? Nope. Roger that. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Oh, again, go check mom's stuff out, man. She's got some cool stuff. Go check it out. You gonna my, put dad's Instagram on my, there? Uh, my, um Etsy oh yeah dad's been just... posting here lately a yeah. little bit yeah yeah Brooke, give me some grief because i use the same same picture every time <laughs> what were you gonna say mom it's it's the etsy shop is quilts that count okay well i'll attach it yep it'll be quilts a clickable clickable link y'all just go click it check it out if you got kids she does make some really awesome stuff i know she's my mom maybe i'm biased but no she does really <laughs> make some awesome stuff yep. she puts a lot of time and effort into it so um that's a wrap for now. When uh, when dad gets his when dad gets his ministry up and going, we'll we'll throw the we'll throw his website in on here sometime within the next few months. We're gonna keep after him on that. Yeah. We know it we know he's feeling something. So mm-hmm. all right guys, this is the three of seven podcast. Enough said.